We are so honored to have Lori and Stan uh, with us today, and she said she was honored to be here. Well, we are honored to have you, and it's actually Dr. Lori, not Dr. Laura, Dr. Lori. <laughs> she's, she's different. And um, we, um, we've been saying so much over the weeks, I won't spend a lot of time, but she is an advocate for Israel at the United Nations. She has been involved in getting legislation happening in a number of state legislatures because BDS is a real thing that's happening in our state. There's actually a bill uh, that is before our state house right now, and Lori will share a little bit about that. So you not only have an opportunity to hear, but also to put into action. And you understand, we're getting the documentary before L.A. I mean, anytime you can beat L.A., that's really, you got to be here tonight, okay? Stan said, I've got the whole thing ready. Do you want to do it tonight? I said, sure, let's do it. So we're delighted. So, Lori, please come, and can we just welcome them? Thank you, Pastor Joe. Thank you all for having us back. It's such an honor to be here. It's great to be in the house of the Lord, especially when the pastor of the house understands our responsibility to Israel. And, you know, when I was here last time, how many people were here when I was earlier? Okay, some some of you weren't. So I'm going to give you just a little brief introduction to PJTN so you know who we are. And so when I start barking out my marching orders to the troops, you understand why. So the mission of proclaiming justice to the nations is to educate Christians about our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and defend the state of Israel. And I want to remind you, in Deuteronomy, this is important for us to set the context and the tone for what I'm about to ask you to do. And in Deuteronomy chapter 4, the word of the Lord, as written by Moses, from Almighty God. For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether any great thing like this has happened, or anything like it has been heard. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire, as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. And because he loved your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And he brought you out of Egypt with his presence and his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in and to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So you all saw the brief intro to the documentary film, and I do want to encourage you all to please come 
Bring the Young People. This documentary, yes, I mean, I heard you all laughing. You got the punchlines. But the documentary was actually made, created for the younger generation, the millennials. Because we have to pass this message down to our children and our children's children. There is a great war going on. And that battle, the war that we're fighting, one of the battles is the war of truth. And who is gonna own the truth? Are we going to allow the world leaders, our president, other world leaders to dictate to us what should happen with the land of Israel? Who does the land belong to? God took that land and he gave it to our Jewish brethren. Did he say that it was going to end in 2016? During the time of the elections? Absolutely not. This is an eternal covenant. And the land is part and parcel of that covenant. And we, if we call ourselves true believers, then we're going to believe what he said. We're going to believe in the covenant. And we are going to believe that the covenant is still intact. But once we know that the covenant is still intact, because I'm, all, I'm getting all the yeses and the amens, what about when the world comes along and says Israel has to give up the land? What about the world when they say from the United Nations, as Pastor Joe told you, one of my favorite places to be, when they accuse Israel of being occupiers? You know, Menachem Begin, said that this land is not occupied. They're not called occupied territories. He called them liberated territories. And according to God's word, Begin was right. But why don't we hear that message communicated today? You know, if you think back to the dividing of the land in Joel, God told the prophet Joel that in the latter days, he was going to wipe out the nations of the world. Sounds pretty angry. Why? Why would he wipe out the nations of the world? Because he told the prophet he was going to wipe them out because they were dividing my land. Which nation is leading the charge? The Judeo-Christian nation. Yet we study our Bibles but how do we overlook this important part, this important component? Because I would suggest to you that, unfortunately, within this hour that we see God raising Israel up at this incredible time, we see a rise of replacement theology and supersessionism. Evangelical leaders who are buying into this false narrative, unbiblical, heretical narrative. How many of you follow what's going on in Israel with the Christ at the checkpoint? This is supposedly a group of evangelical Christian leaders who happen to be Arab. And please don't hear me wrong. I love our Christian brethren wherever they are around the world, even in the Middle East. But why is it that our Christian Arab brethren accuse Israel of being occupiers? But I'm reading my Bible over here in the West in the United States, I'm seeing a whole different narrative. You know, in the documentary film, we cover what I call in the film a tale of two cities. 
We focus on two cities, Bethlehem and Nazareth. Well, the obvious. Bethlehem and, and Nazareth are two cities that Christians understand, that can relate to. Bethlehem, the city of Yeshua's birth, and Nazareth, the city where he grew up. But the city of Bethlehem is not under Israeli government control. It's under the Palestinian Authority. However, research indicates that over 80% of Christians have fled Bethlehem. If you listen to the Palestinian narrative, it's because the Israelis are oppressing them. They built this big, huge wall. They can't get to work. It's inconvenient. We can't get to the doctors, the hospitals. Really? And then you have the city of Nazareth, which is under the Israeli government authority. You have Muslims, Jews, and Christians who all live together. Everybody gets along because of the governing body, because Israel protects the rights of people of all different walks, of all different religions, but not so much in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, on a Sunday morning like today, as you're walking to the, the church services, you could get shot at, or you could get stoned by the Arab Palestinians who call themselves people who are Christians, but they're not the same type of Christians that we are. There's a pastor, dear friend of ours, who you'll see the interview in the film. He talks about how his father was shot, how his congregation, his congregants, had been stoned on the way to church services, but he stays because he's trying to keep the presence there. So what is the truth? Are the Christian Arabs who call themselves Christians, are they really Christians? This is a question we have to ask ourselves because I'm telling you there is propaganda going on and they are trying to convince the Western church that they are Christians and that the Western Christians should be supporting them because after all, they believe Jesus is the Messiah. We shouldn't be in relationship with our Jewish brethren. We have to listen and we have to pay attention to what is being propagated because there is a propaganda war and we have to test people. You will know us by our fruit. And if we are preaching a different message, then you have to ask them or you have to ask yourself what you are going to believe. We are in a war, ladies and gentlemen. You can hear the boots of the soldiers amassing themselves in the Valley of Megiddo as they are marching toward Jerusalem. Look at what the Pope is doing with all these different religious leaders trying to take over control of Jerusalem. Can you hear it? Do you hear the drums of war starting to beat? because this is where we are. We are in one of the most sobering times in history and surely in our lifetime. I want you all to think about why you're here. And I don't mean just here today. Why are you here? 
Why do you think God brought you into the world at this hour? Why did he put your soul into your physical body at the same time that the nation of Israel was reborn, as the prophets foretold? Do you think it's a coincidence? To whom much is given, much is required. And we are living, yes, in some of the most darkest times in history, but this is also the most glorious time. But what the outcome is going to be determined by what we each do. Because we all are going to have to stand before Almighty God, and we all will have to give an account for what we did and what we didn't do. We know about the great white throne of judgment. God told the prophet Obadiah in the last days, and do we all agree we are in the last days? Is there anybody who doubts it? Not me. I've been studying my Bible. And do you think that it's, it's strange that I'm sitting here or standing here today having this conversation with you or that you have a pastor, that you're sitting under the authority of a pastor who gets it about Israel and about our Jewish brethren, that he understands what the gospel of the kingdom message is? Why are we here? Why are you sitting in this church? Why do you have a love for Israel and for the Jewish people? It's because you've been called for such a time as this. We're reminded in the book of Esther, you all know the scripture, but it bears repeating this morning because it's important to drive this message home. You cannot leave here today and say, okay, I'm just going to go back to my usual everyday tasks and life and because now you're hearing the truth. You're hearing the word. And each one of you are going to have to ask the Lord individually and collectively as a congregation. But it starts within your heart as an individual as to what God wants of you. Whether you're in college, whether you're at the end you're in the sunset years of your life. It doesn't matter. We're all sitting here. And we're all hearing this message. Because remember in Ezekiel, we're also reminded that if the watchman sees the enemy advancing and fails to warn the inhabitants of the city and any innocent blood is spilled in that city, it will be required of that watchman. But I'm not going to leave here today without you hearing because we're also reminded by the prophet Ezekiel that if the watchman warns the inhabitants and they refuse to listen, then if any innocent blood is spilled, it will be required of them. We all know the story of Esther. And Esther, of course, kept her identity as a Jew secret in the king's palace. And Mordecai had asked Esther to go before the king and tell the king what Haman was trying to do to defend her people. And Esther didn't want to go. We all know the story. I could be killed. It could be my head. But Mordecai told them to answer Esther. 
Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you, church, have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. She was willing to do whatever she could do. And if I perish, I perish. Is that who we are? Is that the people that we are as believers in this hour? Are we willing to give our lives for something greater than ourselves? Because ladies and gentlemen, look at what's happening to our country. Let's just start with our country. We see the chaos all over the world. We see what's happening in Israel, the attacks, more attacks this past week, this weekend. Another attack in Kiryat Arba, which is right next to Hebron. We look at what's happening in Europe. We look at the immigration crisis and the enemies that are flooding the nations. We look at the chaos that's erupting in our cities in the United States. We wonder why? Do you think maybe, just maybe, it might have something to do with our policies with regards to Israel? Because for eight years, we've had a government that continues to stick it to Israel and humiliate them on the world stage. And despite what Obama does, or any of our elected officials do or say, God is continuing to raise this nation up because we are in the last days. We can't control what the world is going to do. We can only control our country, our state, our counties. And that's where your responsibility comes into play. Boycott, divest, and sanctions, this new movement is the latest platform for, for delivering anti-Semitism. You saw the, the clip of Kristallnacht, which happened on November 9th. We're going to be coming up on the anniversary of this horrific event, but that was when BDS started in Germany. You all remember your history books that the Germans started, before they started slaughtering the Jews, they started to boycott Jewish businesses. And those images that you saw were the evidence of that. They told the Germans, do not shop in Jewish shops. And then, of course, that night, the night of broken glass, all of those Jewish businesses were targeted. What did they do next? In the cloak of darkness in the middle of the night, they went and they rounded up the Jews out of their home. 
took them into the city square and shot them at point-blank range, killing them. Some Jews were taken in cattle cars to concentration camps, where later we know history, they were burned, they were murdered and burned in ovens. And the world set by, Germany set by. If we put the, the events of that night in context, what was Germany? Germany was a Christian nation. There were Catholics, Protestants, yeah, Lutheran. The Lutheran religion was big. Followers of Luther. We know about Luther and his anti-Semitism toward the latter part of his life. And he wrote a book called The Jews and Their Lies. And in that book, some of the things that he said that they should do, that Christians should do to the Jews, were some of the same things that Hitler cited. Not good. You have Germany, a Judeo, or, well, it was, there were Jews and Christians. Germany also happened to be a very educated nation. Remember, there were people who would send their children from Europe into Germany to be educated. It was the nation that gave us the Reformation movement, as I stated with Martin Luther. So how does that happen? How does a Christian nation tolerate that type of activity going on? Why would they do that to our Jewish brethren? Because re replacement theology and supersessionism was rampant. So let's fast forward to 2016. We sit here in the United States of America, a Judeo-Christian nation, an educated nation, a nation that sends missionaries around the world with the gospel message. Do you think that what happened in Nazi Germany could happen again here? Is it possible? It's already happening, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who have been following, who are on our mailing list, because I know some of you here have, have already signed up, you've been following our efforts to expose the content in our children's textbooks. The propaganda that our children are being introduced to every day in our children's textbooks. Teaching our children about Islam. Helping our children learn how to pray the prayer of conversion, the Shahada prayer. Helping our children make prayer mats so they can pray. And when you read and you look at the history textbooks, you have 37 pages dedicated to Islam. Now, many of you in this room are about my age, mid-50s, some a little older, some a little bit younger, but we studied these textbooks. I don't remember learning or reading, studying 37 pages of Islam. I do remember studying about countries like Indonesia and how Islam and Catholicism were the religions of their culture. And I remember studying about their agriculture. But I wasn't taught how to pray the rosary beads, and I wasn't taught how to make prayer rugs. What has changed? I will tell you that this is part of the globalization movement 
that we saw and that we still see coming out of the United Nations. Our textbooks like Pearson Publishers are being published in Europe. The shareholders of the stock of these textbooks are from Libya, Qatar, Turkey, and Saudi Arabia. That should make all of us very nervous. How many of you have children in the public school system? Oh, not too many, thank God. But this is a very real problem because remember the majority of children in our country are sitting in these schools and it's not just in Tennessee that we're seeing this problem, it is all over the country. Can Nazi Germany happen again in the US? Look at what's happening on our college campuses. That's why we produce this next documentary, Boycott This. We watch while Israel apartheid demonstrations are taking place on our university campuses. In the spring, we see violence erupting. Where not just Jewish students are being targeted, but now Christian Zionist students are being targeted. And now, because of our position and our belief system, are we going to eventually become part of the target of our government? Because we are promoting a narrative that, that does not fit with our government's foreign policy. You think it can't happen here? We are well on our way. And that's why I am here this morning to speak with you. It is time to mobilize the troops, ladies and gentlemen. We've bought into the notion in Christianity that there, there isn't gonna be a war, there isn't gonna be a battle, but we read the end of the book and there is gonna be a great battle. And we are beginning to march toward that battle, that great Armageddon. It doesn't, when, you, when we read the text of scripture, we have to remember that it doesn't just erupt all of a sudden and explode in, in time and space. It takes time to get there. And it takes a falling away. Even the elect will be deceived if it were possible. And the elect are being deceived. As I said earlier, there are Christian leaders who are promoting this false narrative, this false propaganda. I've read the Bible. You've read your Bible. You're studying your Bible. There is no place in this scripture where God turns his back on Israel. He said he would sift Israel through a sieve, but not one kernel of her will fall to the ground, and he will regather her from the four corners of the face of the earth. Are we going to be part of that movement, or are we going to fly in the face of God? Because God told Obadiah in the last days, he was going to wipe out the descendants of Edom because they stood by while their brother Jacob, Israel, was held in captivity and they did nothing. As I said before, we're all going to stand before Almighty God. We will all have to give an account. To whom much is given, much is required. We won't be able to stand there and say, well, we didn't know. Now, there will be some Christians because they've set under leadership and teaching that has been inaccurate and they don't know better. But those of us who hear, there is greater responsibility for us that know. There is a war. 
How do we know that there's going to be a war? Because we were reminded in Deuteronomy chapter 20. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So it shall be when you, when you are on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. We have a battle to fight. And I can't fight that battle by myself. You are here as my brethren in the faith, and I'm here to ask you to stand with me. Your pastor has already made that commitment, but he can't make that commitment for you. We have an opportunity to speak up, and, we, and speak up we must. We have to challenge what's being promoted, whether it's by our family, our friends, by our elected officials in our state legislature, in our school boards, our county governments, or even on the federal level, in Congress, in the Senate, in the White House. This is the most critical year, you guys. We say that every presidential election cycle. There is no doubt, we're not turning back. What we have to decide is as we march out through this process, as God prepares to bring the kingdom, the new Jerusalem to earth, we have to decide, are we going to engage in the battle? Because this is it. I'm not going to sugarcoat this message because you have to hear this. I'm standing before you as a watchman. And I see all the signs, and I live this and breathe this and sleep this every day. And the one thing that bothers me the most is when I see my brethren who are espousing lies that fly in the face of God's word. That's why media is so critically important. It's why reaching our younger people, and tonight, if you've got teenagers, if you've got middle schoolers, if you've got young adults, they need to be here. They need to see this film. Because if you think BDS is not happening on the campuses in your state, it is. And it is our responsibility, it is your state legislature's responsibility who governs over the university school system and our children's textbooks. It is up to us to make sure they are educated and they hear from us, and they know we will not tolerate this garbage. We will not tolerate the indoctrination. No, we will not roll over and go back to sleep and say it's too big. It's, that's not for us to decide. 
We were put here. God put you here for a reason and a purpose. And each one of us can do something. It may not be speaking before thousands of people from city to city or going to the United Nations or producing media like this. But we all can do something. And if you will pray and you will ask God as you leave here today and you come back and see the film tonight, ask the Lord, I recognize the hour we're in. What can I do? As I said, elections are coming up. This state, think about it. You live here in Ohio, the test market state. Everybody knows across the country, if it flies here, it'll fly anywhere. There is great responsibility from you. And you have to be sober. You have to look at what's happening and you have to listen to the media and you have to pray and ask God for discernment because we should not be supporting a president when our people, our ambassador, our guys, CIA, FBI, our soldiers, do we have any veterans in here? Could you please stand up? When these guys call the United States of America, when they are in and facing war, ask them, do they hope to God that their government is gonna cover them so that they can come home? Because how many of your, your comrades or your, your brothers and sisters didn't come back from war? Thank you, you may be seated. Thank you for your service. How many didn't come back? We are Americans. We don't bail on our guys and our girls. We give them the full force of our government and our military to protect their lives because they're willing to go out and defend ours and our freedom. We do have a responsibility and we need to make sure that we hold our elected officials accountable. We did it in Tennessee. We did it in Williamson County when we found that textbook that had an anti-Semitic quote that legitimized Palestinians murdering innocent Jews in a Jerusalem restaurant because they were waging a war against Israeli government policies and army actions. And we told our school board members who were up for re-election that if you don't remove this textbook from our children's schools, we will remove you from office. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? We mobilized our community. And we did. Every one of those school board members lost their seat because we said as a community, enough is enough. As Pastor Joe mentioned, this is another way for you to get involved. So I'm making some recommendations. I want to hear from you afterwards. Pastor Joe mentioned this bill. It's House Bill 476. This is an anti-BDS bill. And let me just explain what is going on across this country. There are many anti-BDS pieces of legislation going through state le legislatures right now. 
PJTN introduced an anti-BDS resolution in Tennessee. We were the first state in the nation to take action against BDS. We introduced that resolution. It was picked up. We, we ended up hearing from a, a total of 46 states, 10 of which have already passed the resolution. This bill, this anti-BDS bill, now the difference between our resolution is that it addresses what's happening on the college campuses and it calls out the Students for Justice in Palestine, the Muslim American Society, the Muslim Student Association. Why? Because they are terrorist front groups for the Muslim Brotherhood. And they are operating on your university campuses. And nobody's saying anything about it. But the resolution exposes these groups and because of what we were able to accomplish through pushing this out, the narrative through media in Tennessee, as I said, there's a total of 47 states that are in play, 10 of which have passed. We didn't stop with just the United States because of course our films broadcast all over the world to Christians in over 200 nations reaching over 950 million homes with this type of a message. We're constantly educating. And as we educate people from all over the globe, come to our website and sign up to get on our mailing list. And these Christians have contacted us from 11 countries requesting this resolution passed in Tennessee so that they could introduce the resolution in their parliament. We use the resolution to expose the sinister activity that's going on on our college campuses. We have to educate the state legislators because they don't know what's going on. And we have to educate our citizens because if parents and taxpaying citizens understood that your tax dollars are going to support groups like this on your college campuses, we have blood on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We can't say that we don't know because now we know what's going on. One of those countries, Canada, this past summer, passed a motion in their parliament using some of the language from Tennessee. That's what happens when people like you and I decide to say enough is enough. And if we don't speak out, trust me, we all know the enemy's voice is a lot louder than ours because we've allowed it to be. But we need to stand up and say, excuse me, I'm going to be heard now. And that's why I need your help. When I was here last, we had several people who signed up who are interested in helping us get this resolution introduced. We need to call our state legislators and tell them we want this bill passed because the bill deals with economic and trade BDS. And basically, the bill says that the state of, of um, Ohio, any agency within the state of Ohio will not do business with any company that is boycotting Israel. This is an important piece of legislation. You know, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you and all the nations of the world shall bless themselves by you. Well, you know what? You could apply that to the state. All the states will be blessed by you. Ohio deserves God's hand of blessing. But that's up to you what you are willing to do. Make that phone call. And in fact, I think we're going to be meeting, um, hopefully, God willing, with the legislator um, this week while I'm in town 
to pursue this, but we need volunteers to help us to make this happen. I can't fight this battle. I'm not from Ohio, but you are. You can, you have skin in the game. Your taxes go toward this. So we need you, we need you to help. The other thing I want to encourage you to do is to consider helping us get this documentary. And of course you have to come see it, but we have to get this documentary screened on campuses throughout the state. We have to start pushing back at this other narrative that seems to get a lot of traction in the press and we get none. And we will, be, we will help you. PJTN is willing to help you. We'll give you all the materials that you need to, to fight or to, to, um, to screen the film on your campuses, um, to introduce the resolution. Of course, you've got the information about, about House Bill uh, 476, but we will help you even with media in promoting what you're doing to raise awareness because media is the key. We have to, we have to find the people who are like-minded like us because I have to believe, despite what county was it, Hamilton County, that voted 110% in the last presidential election cycle. How'd that happen? Anyhow, we have a lot of work to do in this state. Monitoring the polls might be another one if we've got any takers who want to watch what's going on. Something's going on in this state, but you have to, most certainly, you have to vote. But we will help you with promoting this and getting more traction and recognition across the state and adding more citizens to the numbers of people that will get behind these efforts. This is our opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. And if you can amass as a community and take your, your counties and your cities back one county at a time. You know, I share the, the, um, the word the Lord gave me about how to defeat this enemy with, the, with regards to the textbooks. And he reminded me of the Jeremiah principle. He told the prophet Jeremiah, after he went back, he got the approval by the king to go back and rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem that were broken down, were torn down. So he went to, Jer to Jerusalem. He um, so he went around the walls late at night by himself and assessed the damage. And then he went to the leaders of districts in front of sections of the wall. He went to people who lived in front of other sections of the wall. And he convinced them all to just build their section. And the Lord said to me, every county across every state is a section of the wall. If you read on in Jeremiah, Jeremiah was able to rebuild the wall in record time, 52 days, because he was able to organize the people in front of certain sections, and they were willing to rebuild. But as they built, was it easy for them? Weren't they harassed by Geshem the Arab, the Horonite, Tobias? Yes. They laid bricks with one hand, and they fought. They had a sword in the other. It's not going to be an easy battle, but it's one worth taking on. And we at PJTN would be so honored to be able to work with you and to help you do this, to see your success, to see the blessing come upon this city. Because, as I said, we all will be held accountable and we all can do something.